You are now tuned in to episode 77 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch, just like normal. What's happening, man? Not much. Not much. It's just a, another great day in paradise. Windy. Windy. Again. Every day is windy. Every single day <laughs> is windy. It seems like it. It's, it, it can't, it's not like we can get that happy medium where it's like a, you know, like a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind or that 5 to 10 mile an hour wind. It's either no wind. Or it's 30 to 50 mile an hour wind. <laughs> no, I think we are just at that point in our lives where we're programmed to think when it's 15 mile an hour winds, like, oh yeah, it ain't windy today. Right. Well, yeah, we've had so many of the higher end wind days that, uh, yeah. And 95 and windy, 95 yeah. and windy. And we got more 95 and windies on the way. That's right. We do. Golly. Nothing we can do about it. Yeah, well, I can, I we can, can complain I, about yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm going to. I'm going to. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to complain about it. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to change anything. But, uh, no, we got another killer cool episode for all you guys. Uh, we've got uh, Calvin Grosvenor is going to be on the show today. Uh, Calvin is the son of John Grosvenor over there on uh, the Okaboji Chain of Lakes. Uh, his dad's a guide over there. Calvin, uh, very accomplished angler himself. And, uh, yeah, if you've. If you've uh, been on Facebook at all the last couple weeks, uh, his name uh, is kind of all over. He uh, performed an underwater rescue on a guy doing some dives. And because uh, last week we had a a diver on the show, I thought, hey, we'll just roll that right on in here. Uh, Finally got uh, some Bassmaster tournaments in uh, finally again. Buddy Gross comes away with the win. Uh, We'll talk about that later in the show. Um, I've got a couple really cool news articles uh, that I wanted to uh, share with you, Matt. Uh, pretty pretty wild stuff, but uh, otherwise, I think that's about it. Yeah. You got anything I, else that you want to dip on today? No. No, I got one question for you later on in the show about oh boy. tournament fishing. Oh, but, okay. Tournament fishing. So, yeah, I'm not going to... I'll keep it pretty even, pretty low-key. Nothing too crazy. Is this PG-rated? It or, is. Okay. Oh, it is. Don't worry. Whenever... You actually texted me that the other day. Hey, I got a question for you to ask you on the show. And whenever a text message like that comes through, it's like, oh boy, where could this possibly go? If it was bad, I wouldn't even give you fair warning. I would just pop. You would have caught me off guard. Yep, I would have just thrown it on. me. <laughs> right in the back of the head. Yeah, just a cheap shot. <laughs> Matt, the cheap shot. Hey, we got out fishing yesterday. We'll talk about that later on yes, in the show. Yes, we did. Okay. Well, uh, yep. There you go. That's what's going to happen towards the end of the show. But before that, like we said, we've got Calvin on, and uh, this is just going to be a crazy cool story. It's going to be interesting uh, to hear his take on it. Right. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get over to Calvin. Hey, Calvin, you there, man? Yeah, I'm here. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Calvin, we always get all of our uh, um, episodes started off with a couple of random questions. over in the Okaboji area where you're from, there is a ton of restaurants. What is your favorite restaurant to go to? Uh, personally, I think my favorite restaurant is Casarelli's. Oh, yeah. Just whenever we have the time to go. Some Italian but, food? Yeah. It's uh, it's it's Italian. It's it's a bit of everything, you know. Um, they get fresh seafood flown in. They've got everything. Uh, it's... Everyone thinks with the name Casarelli's it's Italian, but it's uh, actually a mix of the owner's daughter's names, Corelli and Cashmere. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty cool. What do you order yeah. there? Uh, they have some of the best lasagna in the area. Okay. 
So I okay. usually go for their lasagna. <laughs> we can't go wrong with lasagna. Good lasagna is good lasagna. Now, with the last name of Grosvenor, you probably, you know, I have a different last name, Scott's last name. We all get them pronounced really bad sometimes. What's probably the weirdest pronunciation of your last name that you've ever heard? Uh, someone called me Grosven Manor. It was, they threw an M in there, and I was like, well, it, it has an S in it, so it's a, it's a silent S, and everyone usually pronounces it Grovesner, and understandable, doesn't bother me much, but, but then some people just throw in random letters and just, <laughs> just oh. try getting it as weird as possible, I swear. Oh, yeah. My last name is Sturman. And one time in middle school, I got called to the office by the principal, and they called me Scott Sternum. Scott Sternum. Scott <laughs> Sternum. Like, like, how do you get that mixed up? But, yeah, whatever. So, Calvin, yeah. uh, growing up there on the Iowa Great Lakes, uh, your dad uh, is one of the top guides over there. Uh, you had to have started fishing at an early age. Uh, what are some of your earliest fishing memories? Um, okay, I... I... One of my first, my first muskie I ever caught, I was about four or five years old and we were just trolling, making our usual pass or I guess it was usual back then. I don't remember. Um, it ended up being about a 44 inch muskie. We were, we had it in the rod holder. As soon as it hit, started peeling line and then it jumped out of the water. And apparently this is what my dad says anyways. Um, I briefly remember it. It jumped, when it jumped out of the water, I got scared, and I took off and hit underneath the uh, <laughs> the steering wheel in that area of the boat and just uh, waited for a few minutes and then came back out and just kept it in the rod holder and reeled it in slowly. Right on. But that's one of my earliest memories then. When I was really little, we got onto a big crappie bite, and we had... I don't know, probably about 30 crappie that were about 13 and a half. It was between 13 and 13 and a half inches. Well, you can't be that. Our, yeah, for our area, it's those are huge crappies, yeah, especially sure. back then. Right. Well, you know, you talk about crappies. You talked about muskie. That's one nice thing about the Iowa Great Lakes is there's abundance. There's a ton of different species to target over there. Which one is probably your favorite? Honestly, I'd have to say crappie. It's just... I love catching crappie. I don't know what it is. Uh, they just, I don't know. It's just always fun to catch them. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's definitely a fun species to target, and you can catch them in a variety of ways, which is kind of which makes them fun. And then, like you said, when they get up in there into that, you know, twelve to fourteen and above, I mean, it's a heck of a fight. It's a good time. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, my favorite. Or I love ice fishing. And when we target crappies ice fishing, I love getting those monster crappies. And when you just, you don't know what it is, or you don't, you know it's a crappie, but you don't know how big it is until you get its head to come up through the hole and you just see that big mouth of the crappie just start to show up as it's coming up the hole. And that's, I guess that's kind of where I started loving catching crappies. It's just exciting seeing that big mouth come up through that dark water absolutely and then yeah. trying to that the upbite is what i always enjoy about the crappies is you know the fact that you can whether it be some, like summer fishing you throw the bobber out there and a lot of times it won't go under but it will lay on its side and people don't realize it's like well you got a fish there and they're like well, what are you talking about my bobber's not down but it's just like no it 
it came up and hit your lure and pushed it up. So, or or like when you're dropping your jig down ice fishing and all of a sudden your line just stops and you're like, well, what's going on here? It should, what's, you know, it's like, yeah, you got a fish. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, that was actually one of our next questions, uh, Calvin. Are you more of an ice or an open water guy? Uh, I, I, I like to say I'm more of an ice fisherman, but it's just hard to work around school and everything. If it was, if I didn't have all that going on, I'd be out on the ice every day. Absolutely. Now that, I guess that's my fault, but, uh, um, you're, you're still, uh, are you going into your senior year of high school? Yeah, I'm going into my senior year. Okay. And you actually got a fishing team started over there at the Okaboji High School, correct? Yeah, it's, it's been rough going. I mean, we had a good amount of signups, but the coaches we had, um, since you really need coaches, have just been so busy with other stuff going on. Like yeah. one of them's building their own house, and uh, then there was just a whole scenario, big situation thing that went on that really put that to a hold okay. temporarily until the next season. Okay. So say you you know once you get that off the ground, is that is that a bass fishing league, or do you go around and? compete against other high schools in Iowa, uh, across the Midwest? How does that exactly work once it gets off the ground? Well, what our main goal is, is once we get this going, more schools in the area will recognize that what we have and um, we'll go out and be able to compete against other schools, yes, but we can also compete within the team itself. So it's going to be a kind of a team sport, yet a individual sport at the same time. And it's our main goal with it is just to teach kids and teach people how to be independent when fishing. Mm -hmm. Like, so they can go to a new body of water. uh, They'll know how to find structure. They'll know how to be able to target certain species of fish that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do if they didn't have the prior knowledge of the fishing team. And we will be able to compete, um, uh, with it or against other teams across the state of Iowa, and that would be in bass fishing tournaments. But we, when we do our own little tournaments and stuff back home uh, on the Iowa Great Lakes, we'll be able to go for whatever species we want. So it, is you know? it is it something that's sanctioned by FLW or or something like that, or it's it's its uh, own standalone deal? It's it's sanctioned through another. Uh, through a team uh the da, 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 da. uh what is it it's it's a it's like a big high school organ uh fishing organization okay i don't remember the exact name since it's been a while since i've worked with them but i got everything signed up i i didn't tell anyone about me trying to sign it up except for my principal and my superintendent uh and then once we officially got it up running I had a meeting with the school board, and uh, a few of the school board members were so excited about about the presentation or about everything that the, a few of them even offered to be coaches and be um, just participants in helping everyone uh, get the necessary materials and everything they needed for the fishing team. Oh, very cool. Now, uh, Calvin, earlier this spring, uh, you caught uh, what should have been, what could have been uh, the state record sucker. Uh, 
you caught two monster suckers uh, basically like in the same week. Uh, were you out there targeting suckers? Well, in the Spirit Lake spillway, where Spirit Lake or where the Spirit Lake flows into East Lake, yep. There's that little ch- or there's a little channel there, and early in the uh, when the water's cold, the a lot of the suckers, everything flows into into there and they spawn. And so you see these mass numbers of big fish. Like, I was using a small white twister tail catching these suckers. And what a lot of people don't really know is I got those two big ones, but I weighed in like a total of seven in like four days just because <laughs> I wanted to know how big they actually were. That my biggest one was my third one that I weighed in. My 5.09 pound uh, sucker. But there were hundreds of them, and they were all uh, above three pounds, three, three and a half pounds. Wow. But, and there were some there that would have crushed the state record. It's just you couldn't catch them. Really? So now uh, your, yours weighed 5.09 pounds. The current record is 5.06. The week prior, you had caught a 4.77. Now, tell us about that technicality that prevented you from actually getting that state record. So in when you have to break and set a new state record, the there's a rule that you have to break. or To be able to change the record, you have to break it by a full ounce sense they go by when you weigh in fish you weigh them in a tenths of a, a tenths of an ounce or tenths of a pound and to be able to set a new record you have to break it by a full ounce because that's what they're weighed in or that's what they're shown as in the record books is they're fo- shown in by pounds and ounces not pounds and tenths of pounds mm. and the equivalent of a ounce in tenths is 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.06 so that's and i was only 0. 0.03 over i was half of an ounce so i wasn't quite big enough to change the record even though i was bigger than the current state record isn't that crazy i mean you think that the state record deal like that's pretty cut and dry when you have a bigger fish you have a bigger fish but, but yeah it gets down to those little technicalities like that yeah, that, you know, that's what you would imagine, and that's what a lot of people say, but, I mean, I, I understand where they come from in that circumstance, you know? So, how long were how long were those suckers? If, if it weighs five pounds, what is a five-pound sucker, like, in length? Well, the weird thing to think about is the current state record is, the tw- is around 26 inches for a sucker. Mine was 20 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> wow so i was i was five and a half inches shorter but it weighed more so you're just looking at a sucker that's so round and so fat it's just ridiculous and it's hard to imagine something that like that being that heavy and that fat yeah they probably i'm sure they put up a heck of a fight too especially in that little current that's coming through the spillway there. oh it's it's unbelievable but the once you get later in the year, or once you get later and the water starts warming up, they start putting up more of a fight. But when they're in there spawning and they're in there in just masses, it's pretty hard to get that. Or it's pretty hard when they're uh, cold. They don't put up as much of a fight. Okay. 
Wow. Does do a lot of people go in there and target them? Because uh, I know a lot of people like to smoke suckers and stuff like that early in the it's, year. Not a lot of people really know about it. I mean, a lot of people will be going down there and catching northerns. A lot of people like going down there and tar- uh, targeting northerns. Right. Or they say they're targeting northerns and they'll be catching walleye that are out of season and muskie that are out of season. Um, since the Iowa Great Lakes uh, is the o- or is the only place in the entire state with uh, a season for walleye and muskie. Right. When not when I was younger, we'd go over there and visit the hatchery a lot in the spring, and then we'd we'd fish the spillway there. Is there still a lot of white bass that come up in there? I mean, I can remember throwing white twister tails up there and just having yeah. big schools of white bass chasing them around. Well. An awful deal happened about eight years ago. We had a, uh, with the introduction of the yellow bass, uh, that happened about 15 to 20 years ago. There was a huge, in eight years ago, there was a huge spike in numbers and size of the, of the yellow bass. And it created a bunch of spawning pressure. And with the mass amounts of fish, about half of the entire population of yellow bass and nearly every single white bass died off. Oh, okay. And since then, I only know of four white bass that have been caught in eight years. And one of them ended up breaking the current state or the old state record. Right. Wow. I I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, so we really don't have white bass in our lakes. Well, one of my buddies caught a... 21 inch five and or no not five three point nine pound white white bass uh, a few months ago. Okay. So now Calvin, uh, you've made uh, quite the headlines here in the past couple weeks. Uh, I was out on the Missouri River fishing. Uh, I went on Facebook and it was all over my newsfeed. Every you know it, it was it was crazy. But uh, you had quite the eventful day here uh, two weeks ago. You uh, were doing some diving and uh, actually uh, performed a rescue on a guy. Now, last week, we actually had a guy who on the show who does some diving uh, with spear, spear fishing. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the diving that you do and then take us up to that day. Well, I just do, I'm just regular scuba certified through the organization Maui. And with that certification, I can go anywhere in the world and go diving. Uh, And that's just a regular diving with a tank and regulator and everything. And I got certified last November. So when I got certified, the water was 42 degrees and it was snowing outside. So it was a, a little chilly. But I hadn't, since then, I hadn't been diving really. Even though I'd really wanted to, the water just hadn't warmed up quite enough yet. And I always, or and the my instructor Jose had just opened up a dive shop in the area. And every day, or it's right around where I always go fishing from the docks. And every day I go down, fish those docks, and I spend about 10 15 minutes talking to Jose about diving and about. Just how our day has been and all that, you know? So we went down there, and I was actually going down to get the number for a guy who was my current boss because I needed a job. 
and I went down there and uh, he was talking to a man at the or there was a man at the counter he was talking to and his name was Jesse and he's from Missouri and he was just up in town because he was doing some construction over in Sway City where he which I think is like an hour and a half away anyways he came up because he was an avid diver and really wanted to go diving yet he didn't know where to go because he had never been to the area before so we went so he asked if I wanted to go with him I hadn't been since I got certified so I said sure why not and we started on a regular dive, which is out by the old Okaboji Inn. There's these two intake pipes that go down to about 60 foot, and you have perfect visibility all the way down there. It's just an awesome, beautiful dive. You see fish, you see everything as you go down. And we started the dive, and about five minutes into the dive, we were down to about 25 foot. And I noticed he was starting to lag behind. And when you're scuba diving, you can't really verbally communicate, so everything's based off hand signals, you know? And so we just have the okay, and we kept. I kept looking back to make sure he was okay, kept giving the okay, he kept replying with okay. And then one time when I turned around, he was just frozen, he was seized up, and he just started sinking down into the mud. And I went to go check to see if he was okay because when I got certified my instructor had kind of been doing the same thing how he was he would stop and he was showing me how he would control his buoyancy making sure he was completely buoyant and when I got over to him he was almost screaming I mean it was I don't really know how to explain what it was like but his regulator was out of his mouth and everything was kind of all going crazy so I just so when I realized something was going on, I grabbed him, I wrapped him up, I filled up my BCD or my buoyancy control device, and I dropped my weight belt. And in an emergency, you're supposed to do the same thing to your partner, the person who's unconscious or the person who's in trouble, and you're supposed to get them to the surface as fast as possible. But he had integrated weight belts into his BCD, or he had integrated weights into his BCD, and then he had a uh, he had a button that was on the back of his BCD, which I had never seen before, to fill it up. And so I just grabbed him, pulled him to the surface as fast as possible, and we were still about a hundred yards from shore. And the entire time, he was unconscious. He was limp. He uh, and I wasn't sure if he was breathing, so I. Every t or every moment, I had to make sure his regulator was in his mouth, his jaw was closed, and I had to purge the regulator, which means it expelled all the air into his lungs and all the water out. So I had to make sure I was doing that as I was pulling him up 25 feet and over 100 yards from shore. And once we got close to shore, there was a lady standing on the dock, and we asked her, and she asked what we were doing. She just thought we were scuba diving, thought it was cool. And then I just yelled, help, he's drowning. And in that instance, she kind of realized what everything was going on, and she kind of panicked. And once uh, she started panicking, she called 911, and she called for help. And there were some construction workers on the house nearby who came over, helped haul him onto the dock. And I dropped all my, I swam to shore, dropped all my equipment, 
ran back up on the dock, checked his pulse, checked to see if he was breathing, and he and he didn't have a pulse. He wasn't breathing. And so I just instantly started performing CPR, tried getting him to breathe, tried getting his pulse back, tried doing whatever I could to make sure he was okay. And by the time the ambulance had got there, he had a slight pulse, and he was starting to breathe, and they took him back, put him into a medically induced coma, um, so he wouldn't struggle to breathe or struggle at all. And they flew him to Sioux Falls, where he woke up in a hyperbaric chamber three days later. That is unbelievable. Wow. Now, now, just to make sure that all the listeners actually caught that, earlier you said that you just got dive certified in November. So Yeah, this was, this was my first dive without an instructor. Holy wow. moly. Now, do they, I mean, on something like this, when uh, when you were going through your classes to get certified, I mean, do they cover this a lot? Or is, I mean, did you just kind of go off of pure instinct, like, hey, I think that this is what I should be doing in a situation like this? I mean, you can't ever truly get prepared for something like this, but, you know, how, how, how did you know what to do? Well, we briefly go over how to, like, carry someone in case they're in case of an emergency and how to carry them through the water but a lot of it just seemed to be instincts i had two main goals or i, I should say three main goals um when this first thing or when the, it initially happened i had to make sure he was breathing i had to make sure he was uh, he got to the surface as fast as possible and his head broke the surface and I had to make sure that he got to shore as fast as possible. And I had nothing else in my mind but getting, but making sure those three things happened. So like I said, I made, I, there were times where I had to force the regulator into his mouth, his jaw shut, and make sure he was breathing through. So I had to purge it and make sure he was breathing and air was going into his lungs. All the while making sure that your head is still on top of the water and that you're still breathing. Yeah, I mean, there were times where my regulator kept falling out of my mouth and I was panicking. And I wouldn't even notice that that was happening because I was so focused on him. And then I would start not quite drowning, but I'd start running out of air. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> I yeah. lost my, my air. So I just had to make sure I get my own regulator in my mouth while this whole thing was happening. And no, I, yeah. I, I realize that this probably felt like it took four hours, but how long do you think this whole entire incident actually took? To get to the to get to the surface, I think took about a minute or so, and then to get over to swim over a hundred yards with over two hundred pounds of dead weight probably took about seven minutes six seven minutes wow holy moly but yeah it's it was obvious or it was one of if not the hardest thing i've ever done in my life oh i'm oh, sure uh, that. yeah no doubt now what what actually happened to him i mean because he he was a pretty experienced diver correct yeah he uh he had been all over the world he actually had a big dive flag tattooed into his back with every location he had been on every cool location around the world, uh, tattooed into his uh, back, so he would never forget the places he had been. 
he was one dive, one or two dives away from becoming a master diver, which is the highest qualification you can get in diving. And he had never had any pre- prior medical issues. And as we were going down, uh, we found out he actually had a hole, a small hole in his heart where that allowed uh, an air bubble to form and it transferred from one chamber to the next and then into his bloodstream and up into his brain which caused an embolism into a seizure holy smokes wow and there's a lot of times people won't survive a seizure on land right there's people not with them and having it happen 25 feet down it's, I mean, it's a miracle that he survived. Right, that's about the whole, the worst, I mean, it's bad luck to have something like that happen and then to turn around and have it 25 feet below the water, that's about the worst luck you can possibly have. Probably the worst spot in the whole world to have it happen. Yeah. I'm just glad it didn't happen at the end of the dive when we were 60 feet down. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, man, keep your head like that and uh, do what you needed to do and save a person's life like that man uh, yeah much kudos to you yeah hats off man that's amazing thank you it's well hopefully it's... hopefully that's the most eventful thing that you ever have happen in your dive career because i don't know if you can i don't know if you can uh, mentally take much more than that yeah you know i don't know if my adrenaline was pumping so much that i was calm or if it just wasn't pumping at all because I was like when the cops showed up when I was going through there was that one time where I was talking to six cops, two firemen, two people from the rescue team and like two DNR and they were all surrounding me talking to me and I was just dead calm, straight faced. I mean, I wasn't panicking. I don't know what it was. And then my dad just shows up on the dot or just shows up because he was out guiding. And so one of the, the one of the construction workers called him and, and his first words were, hey, John, is Calvin your son? Oh. And my dad oh, knew boy. I was going out on a dive and his heart just sank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he explained kind of what happened, how he saw me uh, or how he helped the guy onto the dock and then saw me do CPR and haul him from shore and save the guy's life wow that is crazy i know the the term hero gets thrown around pretty loosely these days but i think we can full-on say that you are 100 percent a hero and and yeah like we said hats off to you for that man thank you um yeah well before we let you go calvin uh do you got plans this year uh there on the iowa great lakes uh anywhere else in the united states uh, what are your plans to, to go fishing the rest of the summer? I just go fishing, you know. I mean, I just go out off the dock usually. So far this year, I've broken my personal best sucker, broken my personal best walleye four times. I've got a personal best crappie. I've got, I mean, with the school ending in April or March, I think it was, I didn't or I just had time to fish, you know. Mm-hmm. You got a bucket list fish over there on the Iowa Great Lakes that you haven't caught yet, or or a size that you you know what's the bucket list over there yet? Uh, 
I want to I want to hold at least one state record. I've come close on the on the sucker. I should have. I I caught a catfish, a channel cat that I should have weighed for state record, but I didn't know what the state record was at the time. I, on an unofficial scale, it weighed forty pounds, Holy. and the state record's thirty-seven and a half. <laughs> um, then I was half a pound off on the silver carp. Uh, but it's just things have been crazy, you know. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to get out there, and I'm just trying to get out there as much as I can, and just have fun while I do it. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, well, apparently it's working for you because uh, you've had a pretty banner spring. So, yeah. Well, Calvin, yeah, like we said, thanks for joining us today. Uh, uh, absolutely amazing story. Uh, yeah, and hopefully we see you around out there on the water. Yeah, for sure. See you guys. You back? See ya. And that was Calvin Grosvenor, uh, underwater rescue specialist, state record fish catching Calvin Grosvenor from over there at Okaboji. Yeah, crazy. I, on Unbelievable. Your, on your first dive yeah, without, without a... an instructor and something like that happens and you're able to you know, keep your cool and stay re- remain calm. And it turns out to be uh, you know, a good ending to it. it yeah, uh, I think... Just the part where he's talking about when he's swimming to shore, and the lady starts to realize what's going on, right? And she freaks out, you know, like she freaks out, like doesn't know what to do, and this whole time he's staying calm and stuff. Right. So, I, well, what's really crazy is you know it's his fourth or fifth dive, and this other dude's like fiftieth dive. Right. He's such a seasoned. And, yeah, and and Calvin saves him. I mean, golly, that's just. I don't know. It's crazy how things work, and I mean, just to keep your head on a swivel and and just to, pull yeah. that one off, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it was. It's a pretty wild story. And then for his dad to get that phone call like that. Oh my gosh, gut wrenching. Oh, but then uh, you know it turns quickly. So you go from thinking the worst case, right, you know, the scenario, lowest of lows to the to, highest uh, to of like, highs. Wow. It's yeah. Just... No hats off to all of them. That's that's an incredible story and. Yeah, wow. Just glad it ended out good. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, we've got a Bassmaster tournament in the books now. Yes, it was uh, kind of it was kind of I kind of liked the Wednesday through Saturday deal oh, for to be sure, to be honest sure. with you, because Sundays you kind of forget about them sometimes. Championship Sundays, but the Wednesday the coverage, the ESPN two coverage was awesome. Oh, for sure. You know, you could watch the live on on your phone or whatever like that, but sometimes it was fun to put the you know put it up on the tv and watch it on espn2 and it was such a good big thing for the sport for them to have a live like that on a huge you know station like that right i mean thanks to thanks to all the companies and the sponsors that made that happen uh dewalt tools which uh are the best tools in the whole entire world anyone who runs a k drill <laughs> or a or a pistol bit or anything like that knows dewalt's are the best yeah uh-huh they <laughs> are no, they are. They are. That's that's just the way it is. But uh, finishing that up, we'll go. We'll give you the rundown of the top five. Buddy Gross coming in with like twenty seven pounds yeah, on the last day is incredible to uh, take the lead. Scott Canterbury, who's you know arguably one of the most successful bass fishermen here really in the last is. year or two. Uh, Drew Benton, Brandon Cobb, and Drew Cook. Uh, Zaldane. Uh, I had Zaldane on my fantasy so team. He ended up there down in tenth, but he was in the last bucket, so that ended up working out pretty yep. good. Um, 
yeah, no, it, it was a it was a really cool tournament. It's pretty cool how uh, how Buddy Gross came in there at the end and with, with 27 pounds and uh, took the lead. Um, yeah, as far as fantasy fishing goes, Whew. fantasy fishing here. There's some major trash talk going on this week on the fantasy fishing Facebook page. Yeah, you, mostly by you, you by drip. you, you freaking moron. You started it. I, I did fin- not. I finished it. I didn't do. What did I say that was so bad? You came out right away, and you were. What just, did I say that was so you, bad? You what said, did I say that was so? You bad? had a bounty on me. I didn't I was, have a bounty on yes, you. Yes, you did. I was ahead after day one, and you came in there and you said, "I'll." What was it? Something. Whoever beats Matt Deitch, I'll give you something. I'll look it up right now. If you can't even tell me you what you had I a said, bounty on me, I don't have a bounty on you. Yeah. What position did you end up getting? I don't know, but I'm ahead of you in fantasy points. BS, if you are. Overall, I am. You were looking at you were looking at the tournament at dog. I was looking at overall. I'm in seventh. You're in fifth. Yeah, so you're in striking distance. <laughs> you know, you, you know what a handicap is like. You know, yeah, fishing it, with you. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're an idiot. Oh yeah, no, but uh. Did you see who's now in the lead of our whole entire fantasy fishing? It just goes to prove that you don't need to know anything about fishing to have success at fantasy fishing. Anybody can do it. I mean, anybody, anybody can anybody. do it. If, if he's in the lead, anybody can do this. I'm going to give you a rundown of the top 10 here. Uh, we got uh, Crazy Crappie, Chris Kroll now in the lead. Uh, Nate Hagen in second place. Nate Hagen, I believe, also got married over the weekend. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Matt Grave, Stu the Noob in fourth. Matt, what the? Are you kidding me? Stu the Noob is ahead of me? Uh, I know. I'm thinking about quitting now. Stu the Noob in fourth. Matt Deitch in fifth. Jeremy K in sixth. Scott Sturman in seventh. Colby Van Beek in eighth. Mason Propst in ninth. And Dustin Mastege in tenth. Uh, we also got Jim Gerard in eleventh. We got to throw him out there just because throw him a know, bone yeah it's jim gerard and we got to throw him a bone but uh no we uh i don't know that was that was a good week i'm i'm pumped up to have fantasy fishing going again i'm pumped up to have Bassmaster fishing going again all right let's uh, matt's got a smile on his face yeah now. It's, because let's i found this on, on our say Facebook. It. after day one i got a midwest angler podcast tumbler for anyone who beats matt deitch tomorrow so you got a lot of tumblers you got to sp- send out to some guys because after day two there was a lot of guys ahead of me so how many how many I was don't there? remember. But you can't count past four, so. Right, so then you got to send out four of them. All right, I'll send out four of them. But, you know, the cool thing with Chris is, I mean, he was like one of the top guys in the nation. He was. He was only, uh, I don't know. I thought he was only 10 points behind the the highest guy in the nation, but I'm not 100% sure I was right on that. So, yeah, who knows. In other news, yeah. in other news. Stu the Noob, we got to get in front of the stu- Did He even started talking trash, talk to us. He's always talking trash. But then I he, I haven't got a response back. I told him he's just whining because his six-year-old son has a nicer fishing rod than he does. <laughs> yeah. Here, I got a, I got a story for you, Matt. Uh, you, you actually made the news. I don't know if you saw that or not. Oh, I made the news. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to read the article here. <laughs> Uh, a man in Rock Rapids had a fish surgically removed from inside him after claiming he had sat on it. <laughs> the unidentified man from Rock was. Rapids, Iowa, went to the hospital last June, too, complaining of abdominal pain that could not explain, 
but could not explain to the doctors why he was in such pain. The patient was asked to get an x-ray, and the results showed that he had an entire tilapia inside his rectum. He told the doctors that he had accidentally sat on the fish, and it entered him. He also admitted that he tried to remove it from himself, but had difficulty with the fin. The patient had to undergo surgery, which was caught on video and circulated on KELO News in Sioux Falls' social media platform. The fish was already rotting when it was removed. Actually, that all happened in China. It wasn't on KELO, but holy, like, how do you, okay, so you, you don't want to know how, okay? All right, moving right Not along, moving right accidentally along. Accidentally sat on a fish. Like, you couldn't come up with even a better story than, yeah, I accidentally sat on yeah, it. Oh, really? Uh, you did, huh? At that point, you might as well just be honest and be like, you know what? This is what happened. Who, who's around fish without their pants on to begin with? Like, I don't know. That was the wildest. That I was think a wild I, story. I think I would have came in with, I was jumped by a gang of somebody, and they had a tilapia. Next thing I know, <laughs> good thing a, it wasn't a bullhead. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty wild. Tilapias uh, up the rectum. <laughs> pretty crazy. So, uh, Matt, all right, What what's your question? You got a question. You said you got a question. Let's hear about this yeah, question. Yeah, I was just, you know, watching the bass master a tournament the other day and it, it just kind of dawned on me they were talking about some of these guys and we talk about chris zeldane a lot how he's always up there in contention to win and you know gerald swindle is always up there and he's never he's won an open before but he's never won an actual like bass bas like elite tournament gerald so, swindle hasn't no really uh -oh. he's won angler of the year twice but he's never won uh he's won like i said he's won a bass open but he's never won an elite event. Really? Okay. So I, it got me thinking. Oh, uh, would you rather be inconsistent and win every once in a while, or would you rather always be in the hunt and never and not, win and never get a never win? Never win. Yep. I would but rather always always be up there contending into like the top ten. You're always up there. It's like you you pull up to a spot and people are always like, or you pull up to a lake or a tournament and people are like, oh, you got to watch out for this guy. But you, you know, you might get second. Everyone, you know, you might get second a lot, but you yep. never crack that win. I will tell you this: this, I think, this is spoken like a true old, ma old wise man here. But uh, it depends on if you want the notoriety or if you want the paychecks. Because I think that uh, I think I personally would rather win every once in a while, and and I'd be fine with getting last a couple times. Uh, you know, obviously if you're consistently in the top 20, you're going to make the most money. But, right. uh, if you win every once in a while, people are going to remember you. And and what I'm going to say here is Dan Marino, who probably could, <laughs> you are such a freaking dirt bag, but that's it. That's it. I mean, who's that? Yeah. Right. I mean, Dan Marino, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Never won the big game, so people right. don't give him the notoriety that he deserves. Had he won one Super Bowl, oh, yeah. was, he's in the conversation for best quarterback ever every yeah. single time. Yeah, yeah, I know. But he didn't. So, yeah. No, that was my – I mean, I thought – I found it no, kind that of is, interesting that's a good because, question. What are, you, what are you picking? Well, the, I, you know, as nice it is, is, you know, to win, to get a win and stuff like that. I guess, are you trying to make a career out of this? So if you're trying to make a career out of it, then you want to be more consistent because, right. you know, like you said, over time, then you're going to make all that money. You're going to do all that stuff. But you, 
but yeah, you might fly under the radar and people might be like, oh yeah, him. Oh yeah, he always seems to be there. But, you know, like you said, people remember the win. But, you know, you get a lot for Angler of the Year. You get a lot for that stuff. So uh, just just to be that threat wherever you go, I think. Right, I, I people think know. Like that. Yeah. Instead, instead of just being, you know, you, you get those guys like, oh, they're going to this lake. And those guys are fantasy fishing nightmares. Right. Because it's just like. You don't, you're like, oh, I should pick him at this one. And you're like, no, I'm not going to pick him for this one. And he ends up getting like, he wins or he gets in the top five or something like that. And then the next time you're like, oh, I'm going to pick him in like 90th. That's <laughs> so, Carl Jockamson. Right. He's all over. You know, I picked John Cruz Jr. last week and he's been doing really good. And there's times where I'm like, I should pick him and I don't. And he has a good tournament. So this time I picked him and he was like my worst finisher. And it was he just had a like good that. day one though, didn't he? Uh, he, not a not a great day. No one. No. Huh. So I mean, I just it just kind of hit me that question did, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Like, you know, I guess if like I said, if you want to make a career out of it, I think being more consistent is the way to go. But right, you know, if you just want the glitz and the glamour, then get that win every once in a while. Yep. Well, speaking of bass fishing, we did a little bass fishing yesterday. We did. Uh, we did a little did, pond hunt, little little small water fishing. Little northwest Iowa, uh, southeast South Dakota pond hopping. Yeah. We uh, got out in my boat, and uh, me and Matt, uh, we we went out uh, bass fishing, and uh, yeah. We caught a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't do spectacular. Uh, you caught more than I did, uh, no doubt about that. I mean, every once in a while, I've got to throw you a bone That's just to right. make you feel good, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it we we did, we we both caught quite a few. You caught more than I did. But, uh, man, I mean, to break the 10-inch mark was, that, that was, was something tough. special. Yeah, it was a lot of little rats and just, you know. We ended up each catching a couple that were up in the 15, 16-inch right. mark. And uh, you did have one fish on that. Uh, that was a big fish. Yeah, that was a big one. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just weird. It I, was. It was just It's just like a, a lot of the little ones. I, didn't, I don't know if, like, the big ones are just sitting out in the middle of these places in the deepest water that there was or what. But Quarantining. Was, they were. They were, quarant- they were social distancing away from our lures is yeah. what it was. Yeah. They are being safe. That's, you know, it's kind of like. They're protecting us. Yeah, you know, the big ones is kind of like a lot of the old people, you yeah. know, in the United States right now. They're kind of, you know, laying low because. You know the coronavirus. All the yeah. young, all the young dumb kids are you all, know going around and socializing, and you know it's it's just it's, we, it we, happens in the animal community too. A couple of those little bass that we caught were probably as round as they were. Wasn't long. that crazy? That one I mean, that I caught, man, that little bugger was fat. That thing was huge. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, at least it was something to tug on the other end of the line, and I mean it. Didn't make the day seem too long. Yep. And we got out of the... The nice thing about fishing the small water, we didn't have to contend with the wind and stuff. Yep. Now, uh, last week, uh, or now here a couple days ago, I texted Matt, or I called you, and I said, you know what? I said, we've got to get some sort of tournament going on between yep. me and Matt. And uh, I don't know if, if that'll be, you know, me and him both in the same boat, or if I would take my boat and he would take his boat. But, uh, you know, maybe for... Uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks worth of bragging rights, a tournament between us two. But I also do think that maybe it would be kind of fun to do some online, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a tournament, but, uh, you know, maybe have it 
do something with largemouth and smallmouth bass, something like that. And uh, any of you listeners, if you want to put together a two-person team and uh, uh, me and Matt will, you know, fish together and uh, we'll just have it over some weekend, everyone gets to go out and take a picture of their five best bass on uh, on a bump board, uh, you know, and we'll all kind of compete against each other. We'll see how many teams we can get put together and I don't know. We'll put together some sort of prize pack for the winning team, and I don't mm, know. Keep it here. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the plan. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll actually video that episode just to kind of show everyone, like, hey, this is what you guys missed out on. Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Something, Something to think to about. Do. If if anyone out there would be interested in it, shoot us a message, and uh, yeah, we'll work out the the fine details. But uh, yeah, maybe get something like that coming down the pipe too. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. Do you got anything else to talk about, Matt? Really don't. I don't either. I guess uh, with that being said, that will be episode 77. We will see you next week on episode 78. Oh, we didn't. We didn't uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. We, we didn't, have a breakthrough. We didn't do our um, positive things for the our positive thoughts or positive things in the news. Unless your tilapia story was that no, for you. No, no, that was you. <laughs> that was you. I do. I got one. Uh Matt's Matt's little cousin, Ethan, the other day I was cruising to work at about 6.20 in the morning, and I see, how old is Ethan? He's going to be a 6th grader. Going to be a 6th grader. So what is that, 13, 12, uh, 12, 12 13 years like old? That, 11, 12, yeah. I see a bicycle riding with a fishing pole down to the river at like 6.20 a.m. While most kids are still sleeping, most kids, if they are awake, are playing video games. And here he is riding his bike down to the river. That's my good news story of the week. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah, he is. He He's down there fishing all him. day long. And he is. He's a hammer down there. Yep. Uh, I guess I give a shout out to Jim Gerard and Cody Magnuson. Yeah. They That big Lake Thompson tournament, they battled the wind and uh, came in. What'd fourth place. Fourth place. And they biggest had big, fish on day two. Yep, and like biggest bag of the tournament on day two or something like that. They didn't have a great first day, but they turned around on the second day and got her done. Yeah, and that was for walleye. I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna say anything. No, well, I'll give them their give them their just due and their credit. So congratulations to those guys on a great tournament finish because there's a lot of boats in that one. So. Yeah, here's a hat nod through the speakers. Yep, there you give go. Give them boys. the old hat nod. All right, <laughs> all right. Now that is it for episode seventy-seven. That should be it. Now. That's it. Talk to you later.